Acts chapter 2. I want to see something that Paul uh, Peter says here. Are we there? Acts the two from verse number thirty-eight. So of course you know the first message published by the church was through the mouth of Peter, the day of Pentecost. Now let me help some of us here. The day of Pentecost has nothing to do with the Pentecostal church. Okay, the day of Pentecost is the feast that Israel celebrates fifty days after. Passover. It's called Pentecost because 50, Pentecost is from the Hebrew word 50. So after Passover, the Jews celebrate another feast called Pentecost. Now interestingly, the, Paul says you know, in his writings how the feasts that Israel celebrates were actually a type and shadow of the real thing to come. And I was doing a study about the feasts of Israel. There are seven feasts of Israel. And the Hebrew word for the feast is actually translated in Hebrew, so in English as rehearsals. <laughs> I find it very interesting that some of the things we see translated from the Hebrew says, carries a message. Like last week we did a study in Bible study where we said the Ark of the Covenant, the, the Hebrew word for Ark of the Covenant is coffin. And so from the very beginning, the covenant of the old was placed in a coffin. <laughs> That's the message there. There is no life inside of it. Because what do you put in a coffin? Something that is dead. So Paul was right when he says that the covenant could not offer life. Could not offer righteousness. Because it is dead by itself. We need to understand why the old covenant was given. People think that the old covenant was given so that people will stop sinning. Would be right and righteous. It was impossible for the law and commandments to stop sin. Do you know why? Because each time we keep going back to Genesis. In Genesis, when Adam fell, it was not just a matter of an act of disobedience. When Adam sinned, sin nature came upon Adam. The sin nature embraced the spirit of man. And so from henceforth, from Adam's lineage, Anyone that was born after Adam was also born into that sin nature. So it became natural for us to be sinful, not because we want to commit sin, but because the nature of sin was inside of us. So it is not enough to now say that stop sinning. The sin nature had to be dealt with. So that's why John said, Behold the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. That sin there was not referring to an act of sin, it was the nature. You know, I, I, I like when Pastor Chris said one time, he says, sin the spirit. It's a spirit that produces character. Righteousness is a spirit that produces character. Hallelujah. You cannot, on your own, decide to be morally good and walk into righteousness because you are morally good. If it was so, all the Pharisees would have become saved. So Jesus told them, except your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom. There was a higher form of righteousness. Not one produced by man, but one produced by God himself through a divine nature. So we had to become born again because the former birth 
produce the sin nature, but the second birth produces the nature of God inside of us. Hallelujah. So the first Adam produced men who walked by the sin nature and produced sin as a way of life. But the last Adam produced men who were born with a nature of righteousness and righteousness became their walk. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I tell you something that you need to say? This, most people don't know. This, I call it a best kept secret. Many believers don't even know who they are. When I say this, I really mean it from my heart. Many believers don't know who they are. There's a problem of identity crisis in the church today. Many people, if you ask them, what, what does it mean to be born again? Say, ah, ah. To be born again, I, I start to do bad things, you know. If I they drink, if I don't drink again, if I smoke, I don't smoke again, I don't become born again. You don't become born again by stopping smoking. You don't become born again stopping to womanize. That is not what makes you born again because there are lots of people out there who don't do all those things and they're not born again. First and foremost, to be born is not a decision by the child. Hello? No child decides to be born. No child has a part in being born. You are born by the parents your parents, right? It's your actions that give birth to you. You are not born again because you decide to become born again. You are born again because of what Christ has done. The same way that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The moment you hear the gospel, you now receive something inside of you. You know, John and John 10, 10, Bible says, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they may have life and have it what? Apparently. Do you, did you observe? Jesus did not say, I came that they may have life in heaven. Did you observe that? That's not what he said. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Amplified says, have it till it overflows. And the Greek word for life there is zoe. Zoe means the God kind of life. The kind of life that God even has himself. The, the frequency of the spirit, the substance of God's being was given to you. So by faith, you received it. In the old covenant, they couldn't have that. All they could do is they sin. They would go to meet high priest or the priest. Give them an uh, offering. Give them uh, pigeon. Give them tortoise and doves. Give them cows, bullocks. And they'll kill those things. The blood will not speak for them. Cover them for a while. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus said, um, Paul says, now you have come to Zion, the city of the living God. Not to the former mountain that could be burnt with fire. Now you are now in a different city. And in this it said the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of of Abel. Because the blood of Abel was crying for vengeance. But the blood of Jesus is not crying for vengeance. It's declaring you are redeemed, justified, set free. Hallelujah. Glorified. Do you know what it means for the blood that is speaking for you every day? Ha. It's speaking blood that is speaking for you every day. If we know what we carry... There's a confidence in our life. I don't have confidence becoming a pastor. I have 
confidence because I know something. There's a revelation that engineers my confidence. There's a revelation that engineers my hope. No matter how this country becomes very difficult in terms of the indices, there's a blood that is speaking for me. Hallelujah. No matter what I go through, there's a blood that is speaking for me. Hallelujah. In the old covenant, it was multiple sacrifices that were given over and over again for sin. Multiple sacrifices over and over again for sin. But this one, once and for all, it was shed. Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews. Hallelujah. Hebrews. Verse 9. Chapter 9, rather. Chapter 9 of Hebrews. Okay, let, let me take it from chapter 8. Let, let me show you something that you, that you enjoy here. Hebrews chapter 8. From verse 6. Are we there? Hebrews 8 6. If you're there, say hallelujah. The hallelujah is very small. Hebrews 8 verse 6. Hallelujah. If you're there. Okay. It's getting better. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 says, But now, referring to Jesus, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Remember, the book of Hebrews is about comparisons between two covenants, two ministries, two um, priesthood says now jesus himself has obtained what a more excellent minister you know you know he could have said but now he has obtained an excellent ministry could have ended there but he says a more excellent ministry in so much as he also is a mediator of what a better covenant which was established on what better promises if you're going to base your faith on the old covenant you are shortchanging yourself because the one we have now is established on what better promises the next verse says for if our first covenant had been faultless then no place would have been sought for another in other words let me rephrase it the first covenant had faults that is why there was a need to look for another one this, this will let you understand something about the first covenant. The first covenant was not God's desire. Because if it was God's desire, it should have been faultless. Let me use a story to explain what happened with the first covenant. How many of you remember when Israel was moving towards the uh, promised land? They got to the promised land. At a certain point, they now said they wanted a king. Right? And God was like, you don't need a king. I am the Lord your God. They were like, they wanted the king. Why? Because they saw other nations around them had kings. So they desired one. So God now into their requests. You know, you know, God is like God is a perfect gentleman. One thing you know about God. If you want to reason with God, he can reason with you. If you want to tell God, God, you know what? This is how I want to plan my finances. He will say, okay. You know where we don't become wise? If God says okay, you should know that something is wrong. Seriously. That thing called God will understand. It's, so, it's destroying people. They don't know that thing is, is, is one of this it's a deception that can kill anybody. That thing called God will understand. Nobody fulfills his purpose in life through the idea of God will understand. Nobody. 
reaches a place of greatness through the idea of God will understand. Because if you tell God, God, you say as it be, he will say yes, it's okay. But the wise seek for his will and follow after his will. Do you know why? When you have your own plan, you will ask God to bless your plan. If God gives you his own plan, his plan is already blessed. Do you see the difference there? If you have your own plan, you will ask God to come and bless it. When God gives you his own plan for your life, it's already blessed. Which do you prefer? The problem we have with a lot of Christians today, they are trying to find their way through life. Trying to find their way in prosperity. A lot, they're trying to figure out a lot of things without asking God. You, that brought, you brought me here. You didn't make a mistake. You, know, you, you, you had a, a good intention. Why I'm here? Show me the way. Let me walk in the paths that are prepared for me. Can I show you something very interesting? I will come back to this, um, back to this um, Hebrews. Look at Ephesians. Please hold this place in Hebrews. Ephesians chapter 1. Can, can somebody give me... I need multiple versions like Amplified and um, the Message. Amplified and the Message. Anybody? Multiple version? Okay. Amplified. Which other one you have, sir? Like maybe the message, you know, the message or. Okay. Let's first read from the King James, right? We'll look at um, chapter 1, verse. Let me take. Um, I don't want to pick just one. I don't want to go too far because this Ephesians 1, anytime I look at it, I can't stop if I'm talking. <laughs> so let me just pick out words. We bring out the point. Now, uh, just hold on. Look at from verse 4. It says, Just as he chose us, where? There's a location there. We were chosen where? In him. Not in ourselves. We were chosen. In him, who is him here? Christ. We were chosen in Christ when? When? Before the world ever began. Before the horse began. Before the inflation began. Before the economic crisis began. You were chosen in Christ. You were not chosen yourself. You did not choose yourself. You were chosen before everything began. But you were chosen for the foundation of the world that we should be what? Holy, without blame, before him in love. Look at verse 5. Having what? Predestined us. What does the meaning of predestined mean? Something that has been planned before time, right? Predestined us to be what? To the adoptions of our sons by Jesus to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. at verse 9. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he had proposed in himself. So God sat down, wrote some script about your life and he looked at the script and said this is, this is interesting. He was very pleased with it. I said now let's let the script begin to work. You came on earth to leave the script that gives God pleasure. 
Can I have the amplifier? Or which one, which one do you have, sir? Can you? Okay. Look at this. From verse 4, it says, According, okay, even as in his love, he shows us, he actually picked us out for himself. I like this. He picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, consecrated, set apart from him, blameless in his sight, even before reproach, even before him in love. Having predestined us to the adoption of Jesus' children by Jesus to himself. In other words, before the world began, you were predestined to be adopted as a son. It was, it was the plan. If you are predestined to be adopted as a son, it means that as a son, the father has plans for you. It means you, are, you belong to a family. If you belong to a family, you need to understand what belongs to your family. You need to understand your family name. You need to understand your family inheritance. You need to understand your family uh, um, uh, wits. You need to understand your family. That's why we're supposed to be having Bible study, church meetings, to understand the family. To understand the family inheritance. If you don't understand what the family owns, you cannot run the family's business. Hello? I don't know if you're getting me. See, there was a program we used to watch when we were much young. Um, I don't know if you watched that program, NTH 2 Channel 5. The Papa and the Prince. The Prince and the Papa. Back then. How did anybody watch it here? The Prince and the Papa. Back then, NTH 2 Channel 5. Okay. The story of the Prince. Please let me open this. The story of the Prince and the Papa was about two um, boys that looked alike, very much alike. And one was found in the prince, you know, king. She was, it was the prince uh, in the palace. He grew up there. This other one grew in another family, but they look very much alike. But I don't know to explain why, you know, they look so much alike. But the, the thing is this if you look at the two of them, stand by, stand by side, you may not recognize that they look alike. You know why? Because the papa looked very dirty, very unkempt, his hair. So, People didn't really know that there was anything. It was the day the two of them met themselves. They were like, ah, this guy looks like me. So they went to one corner and really found that, yes, they, looked, they, they saw that they were actually looking alike if they had the same haircut and they dressed the same way. So they decided to do something. The boy said they were tired of being in the prince palace. They wanted to take a break. And so now said that they should exchange places. So he wore the papa's clothes and the papa wore the prince's clothes. Made him dead dirty. Scattered his hair. And when the papa came outside, they did not recognize him. They thought he was the prince. They started giving him the accolades and the accord and respect they give the other guy. He went into the palace not even knowing his way. They were asking questions he could not answer. So they felt maybe, they said, I'm sure that trip he went to, something must have happened to him. Doesn't have his senses, so they started treating him very well until he would recover. Meanwhile, the prince went to that house where the papa came from, was expecting to be served. I said, Guy, what did you do? Go and help yourself. He started learning to survive without anybody serving him. 
it was very difficult for two of them to adjust in two different worlds they grew you know separately away from then the prince now wanted to go back to the palace he was knocking on the door nobody answered he said hey, they were shutting him off he was even calling their names they sit in here and answer him they said the prince is upstairs very interesting program that was like a series I'm sure it'll be on YouTube. You can just go and check it out. Being in the palace afforded a prince privileges. And if you understand one thing called uh, kingship, it is family lineage. Like the king of England today is a family lineage. If you are born in that family, you need to understand what belongs to you. So you can enjoy what belongs to you. A lot of believers don't know where they belong. They don't know that they, their father owns the universe. And they are worried about a country called Nigeria. <laughs> they are worried, worrying about something called inflation. When their father owns, not like the country, the father owns the universe. Hello? Ah. It took God six days to prepare the earth for Adam to come and live. God could have created Adam on the first day. He said, no, let me create the place you come and live. Let him come and enjoy himself. So he called out the water, called out the land, vegetation, everything. So that when Adam will come, the garden will be a prepared place for him to live inside. Jesus, the last Adam, came to give us an inheritance, a kind of life that is prepared for us to come and live under. Your discovery of the word and revelation of the truth will help you step into that reality. That is why I tell people, be very careful of the church you attend. The church you attend can bring you into slavery or bring you into sonship. You can be not become the pauper living as a prince or transit from being a pauper and start living as a what? Prince. Hallelujah. It says, for he foreordained us, destined us, planned in his love for us to be adopted and revealed as his own children through Jesus in accordance with the purpose of his will, which he pleased in himself. And this was his kind intent. Hallelujah. It says, Make, making known to us the mystery of his secret of his will, of his plan, of his purpose, and in this, in accordance with his good pleasure, his merciful intention, which he previously proposed and set forth in him. Your life begins in the discovery of God's will for your life. A lot of people are going up and down looking for someone to pray them out of poverty. I asked the wrong question. I said, now who they do me? Now who they worry me? The right question is, the right question is, God, what's your plan for my life? I studied accountancy. The longer I stayed in my studies and, and my pursuit of my career, I was realizing something deep within me. Somebody let me preach a message. Where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The more I begin to realize that this accountancy thing that I was doing, I'm only pursuing it. 
because I have the skills and talents to understand it. And so, my ambition started dropping every day. Started dropping every day. My dad was asking me, when, are you, when, when, will, you, when will you do your icon? I said, I'm not doing my icon. You're surprised. Because I was, looking to, I, look, I was looking ahead, I was not seeing myself as a practicing chartered accountant. I was seeing ministry. And so I started gravitating towards things that would prepare me for ministry. And guess what, guys? I had my own challenge. Like everyone here, we had their own challenge. I, when I finished my school in Laspotec, for five years, my result was not ready. Kept on going there every year. I would go there every year. They would tell me, um, okay, you know what you do? Write a letter to your HOD about your result, missing results. And in those five years, my result was being delayed. I was still working. I was still building. I was still continuing. It was enough to set me back, make me, you know, affected emotionally. But I, 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 I stumbled upon the knowledge of discovering God's with your life early enough. So it didn't hold me back. You know, at some point, I've seen some, some people in my career, they'll be moving on. They'll be getting promotion. Somebody told me, don't be disturbed by them moving on because they have the certificates. This is not your industry. This is not where you're supposed to be. You're only passing through this to shape you up for the future. Some of you are just being discouraged because somebody else is moving ahead. <laughs> the person is moving ahead in his own lane. Hello? See, if you're about to do a 100 meter sprint, you are eight lanes, standard eight lanes. And you're supposed to run where? In your own lane. Do you know that if you come first, maybe you're in lane one, if you come first and you end up in lane two, you're disqualified. Because you did not run where? In your own lane. The right way to know if you are moving ahead is not by comparing yourself to others. That's why Paul says in um, 2 Corinthians 10, he says it is foolishness to compare yourself with another person. The best way to compare yourself is to compare yourself in line with what God is showing you about your life. God wants to order your steps in every area. He doesn't want to order yourself. You know, some people, some of us grew up with the idea that we are free to ask God for His will because we are free. God will send us to preach one the gospel, one village in uh, Jakarta, you know, or Gombe. So we don't want to ask God to tell us His will. We are always afraid that God will take us to one place that will not be happy. But we never knew that the pleasure of God is supposed to be our own pleasure too. Hello. The pleasure of God is supposed to translate to our own pleasure. Just look at the story of, of Moses. Moses was schooled in the best schools in Egypt. You think God did not know what he was doing? God allowed the enemy sponsored him. The same man that said that any male born child in Israel should be killed. And they went about killing all born children. And when Moses' parents now gave birth and saw that it was a boy, they were they were sad. You know that kind of result. You get a result and you're sad because you feel this result will not, will not go anywhere. Because if you had the story around, as if you have a, a boy, it's gone. You know, you know they did not have the privilege back then back then to know whether before you were born whether it's a boy or a girl. They didn't have scam back then. You know. So it's the day you give birth, you know that's a boy. 
Okay, and so they, Moses came forth. He could not celebrate. Because the news goes out. This boy is dead. But guess what, guys? God can be a comedian. God gave the mother a wish sense. Eventually, Moses was now found in the same house of the man that kills all men, or male born child. The same man sponsored his education because Moses went to the best schools. The best of the knowledge available back then was back then in Egypt. Egypt was the, was the best when it comes to knowledge. He was sponsored by the man that was supposed to kill him. This is how God works. God could have used a more rational way. To, um, the parents of Moses don't give birth here. Go to Midian, travel outside, go and give birth. Safe way. Because that's what everybody will do. Since we are not sure, say, na boy or girl, let's do it safe. Let's follow the safe way. Let's born speaking outside Egypt. So if na boy, we don't come back. Do you understand? But God let it be so that He will prove Himself. So we don't understand. We think that things are difficult because God is not there. We think things are not working because God is not effective. We do not know that God is working out his plans in the darkness that surrounds us. Genesis 1. In the beginning, there was darkness upon the face of the deep. But the Bible said, But the Spirit of the Lord hovered upon the face of the waters. So, if there were men then, all they would be able to see is darkness, confusion, chaos. But God saw those things and God did not speak about darkness. But what did God say? Let there be light. And there was light. What is light? Revelation. Your life cannot take a new direction if you cannot catch revelation. It is revelation you take hold of that puts your life in order. Sometimes you hear somebody declare, I cannot be poor in this country. You will not be there claiming what he's claiming. Do you know why it's not for you? He's claiming it because there was a revelation that gave birth to that declaration. He saw something. He spoke something. You did not say anything. You don't want to do imitation. Ah. Myself, I will not be poor. <laughs> not my mouth. What are you seeing? What revelation are you building on that is inspiring you? And one of the greatest revelations you can ever have is uh, being founded on the finished work of Jesus. What he has done for you. Because it will end your own striving to provide for yourself. It will end your own striving to save yourself. It will end your own striving to bring to your own effort to bring peace into your life. Because you need to realize it's available. It's available. It's available. It's available. Hallelujah. Remember some years ago, I was in a church. One man of God was praying. One people, one time I turned, they got close to me and told me, Ah, I can see. It. They have held you in your, in your village, in your father's, grandfather's uh, compound. So, so, so I, as she was just talking, I said, You are just talking, Oshi. That's what I was saying within me. Do you know why I said so? Because if you could see what I could see in my own eyes, you would not be seeing nothing. You cannot be contradicting what God is showing me. You cannot. It's not as if God not told me in the midnight, say, my son, my son. 
I saw it from the word that this is who I am. You know, you know that song we normally sing every, every time we do close service. It's not just that we, we like to sing. We are trying to put into your consciousness that you should know who you are. As you enter the week, the knowledge of who you are should follow because the week we have its own fair share of challenges. But I know who I am. I'm walking in power, walking in glory, walking in favor. The devil wants to minister to you to, to, to do things, to put things in place. Every scheme of man will fall in the face of God's wisdom. First Corinthians chapter 1. Now, now I know why I was struggling to prepare the message. <laughs> because this is not what I, preach, I plan to preach. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. From verse 25. Are we there? 1 Corinthians 1, 25. Are we there? No feedback. Nobody's there. Only one person is there. Are we here with our Bibles? You sure? First Corinthians 1, chapter 25. It says, But because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. It's a very, very strange thing to say. That if, if God can be foolish, still better and wiser than men. If God can be weak, still more than men. Look at verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. God does not need the mighty to be mighty. God needs the weak to be mighty. Those who are less privileged in quotes, they are candidates of grace. Those who are full of themselves deny themselves the opportunity to walk in grace. Peter says, he says, God gives grace to who? The humble. And God resists the proud. <laughs> See, it's a dangerous thing if God is the one resisting you. Hello? I don't know if you're with me. If any man, if anybody wants to resist you, you can have help. If the if the enemy wants to resist you, you can even have help. But if God is the one resisting your move, who can help you? It says God gives grace. To the humble. And who is the humble? The one that can submit to God. Submit to his plan. Submit to his wisdom. Submit to his guidance. That's the humble. It is that man that receives grace to rise. But the one that's full of himself is the one that's proud. That kind of man, he will try and try and make effort to work it out. But his effort is actually denying him. Why? Because he's not humble to receive. The number one key to prosperity is not your 
business plans or your career plan, the number one key to prosperity is submission to God's will for your life. Trust me. Quote me anywhere. The number one key to prosperity is submission to God's plan for your life. Do you know why? Because God's provision for your life is in God's plan for your life. If you walk in his plan, you will automatically walk in his provision. Hallelujah. Amen. If the Jews do not go into the wilderness, they will not see manna. If they remain in Egypt, no manna. They have to move for God to move. The move you have to make is submission to God's will. So you, you, you have to make it your own decision to always inquire God's plan for my life. So that you don't end up living, you know, there's this um, expression in English called a rolling stone that gathers no moss, you know. You're full of activity here and there, here and there, here and there. You are here, you are there, you are here, you are there, you are here, you are there. Ten years after, there's no sense of progress. But yet you are still full of busyness. I, say business, I don't mean business as in B U S I S I. I mean B U S Y. You are so full of business activity, but there's no progress about your activity because progress and promotion comes as it is directed by God. When God directs your life, He shows you the phases of your life, He shows you the seasons of your life. I said, Pastor, that's my job to make you more conscious of these things so you don't go out there struggling like everyone is struggling. Your father has plans for you. Some of them don't know they don't know they don't know they have a father. They don't know they don't know all these things. You have a father, you belong in a royal family, you should have different results by default. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is where we belong. The finished work of Jesus is sacrifice. Was that the altar that was raised by God Himself? So, change the game. Abraham had, had an altar. After Abraham offered to God, he called that place Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Isaac had an altar. Jacob had an altar. Almost everyone that had an encounter with God had an altar. In fact, the Jews built an altar in the tabernacle. That was there every day. And the, 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 the altar was with 12 stones speaking for the 12 different tribes of Israel. Right? Now, remember also when Elijah also had the encounter with the false prophet of, of Baal and they raised an altar. Elijah also raised an altar. So they put their own, did everything, nothing worked. But Elijah wanted to prove to them that God was awesome. Made more, he, he wanted to make it more difficult, difficult for God. Pour water on the, on the offering. Pour water on it. But yet the fire came and consumed it. Now when we look at that today, what, what does it say to us? Many will raise their altar. But nothing, there's no result if God is not behind the altar. But when God is behind the altar, the altar, though the sacrifice is consumed, it proves the power of God. So God decided himself 
to raise an altar for us. Calvary. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain there. God himself decided to raise the altar. And that altar is the final altar in scriptures. After that altar, there was no other, any other altar. He raised that altar. And when the fire consumed, the judgment consumed Jesus. For the first time, the sacrifice was still alive, if not after the consummation. Because when he was there at the cross, do you know that at about, I think it was about 3 p.m., the place became dark for three solid hours. No one could see anything. The darkness now disappeared. Jesus declared, it's finished. In that darkness, he consumed your pain. He consumed the chastisement of your peace. He consumed the stripes. Everything that was supposed to be against you, he took it to himself. Your sickness, your curses, your condemnation, your judgment. In that period of darkness, he consumed everything into himself and said, finished. He fulfilled the altar of Elijah, proving the altar of other men to be false. Because at the same time that he was crucified, the Jews and the high priests were also raising altars too, killing lambs. But God did not have respect to their own. He had only one respect, one offering. The one he himself made possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a result of that altar that was raised by God himself, as fire consumed and judged the slain lamb, that slain lamb rose again as a lion. Raising as a lion speaks about the victory over death hell and the grave on your behalf. That means that if any man be found in Christ, he is a new creation. He is no longer according to the former man. He is no longer from where he came from and from Ikiti State. This, this is how we are. This is how, how things work for us. Now you are now in Zion. He's no longer you know, from Delta State and from, from Isoko. Uh, my people, this is, this, is how our, uh, this is how we do our things. This is how, this is how our life works. No, you are now in Zion. The city of the living God to the place where angels are gathered in innumerable quantities. You are in a different location. In, you are now in a place of power, glory and honor that nothing on earth can explain. That is where you are seated. That is where you are located and planted. And the understanding of where you are will actually affect your vision of our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me close by showing you something in the book of Revelation. This will blow your mind. Revelation. The last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 4. Hmm. I want you to hold that place. I'm going to show you another place again. Now, Revelation 4, from verse 1. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing, open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was a trumpet speaking with me, Come up 
and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So John was about to see something very interesting. He who sat there was like jasper and such a stone in appearance, and there was what? A rainbow around the throne. There was a rainbow around the throne. How many of you remember where rainbow, rainbow was, was, was first mentioned? The first book of the Bible. It gets mentioned again in the last book of the Bible. Now, remember the story about rainbow? After the, the flood was uh, on the earth for 40 days and it judged men, right? And God now said after that flood, no longer will I let the waters flood the earth in this form to bring this kind of... Then he now gave it as a, he gave a sign of his promise with a rainbow that appeared in the sky. Now, John is now seeing that the rainbow surrounds the throne of God. It means that what decorates the throne of God is this declaration of mercy and grace. Hallelujah. What surrounds the throne of God is not anger and wrath. It is mercy and grace. No wonder Paul says, come to the throne of grace so I may receive and find help in time of need. Come freely. Come boldly. Look at the next chapter, chapter 5. And I, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back it was sealed with seven seals so you saw something that was put together like a document but it was sealed and you know if it's sealed it can't be opened then i saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and lose its seals and no one in heaven and on earth, and even under the earth, was able to open the scroll or even look into it. This was a mystery that nobody ever, ever, anywhere in the three dimensions was able to look into and see. Do you think that the angels know everything? No. They don't know everything. Peter said that the thing we have received, that angels are even gazing into it. The divine mysteries of God. Angels are even looking to know about it. And we now have men that we are prepared for. They are not even bothered about it. That's why they will keep struggling. If angels that are divine beings take these things very important, how much more us? So no one in heaven and on earth and under the earth was able to open the scroll and look at it. And I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or even to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the roots of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and lose its seven seals. This is Jesus. Hallelujah. What nothing or anyone could open. The secret seals that God had held for ages. None of the Old Testament prophets could even see it. 
They could not have an idea what was inside. They could only have an idea that something was prepared. But they could not see into it. But then came the slain lamb who rose victorious as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He alone was found worthy to open. And the moment the seal was open, the document was open and the provision of the document was released. It was declared legal and binding on all who are was pronounced upon. This document is over your life. It's called the book of life. It's called the tree of life. It's called the new age. It's called the new creation. It's called the new life that is found in God. That's where you are. That's where you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. None of us could have done it, but he did it for us. I'm so glad about Jesus. Ha. I'm so glad. I'm so glad because on my own, there's nothing I could do. So why we're, we're still sinners? Christ died for the ungodly. But he did it for us. He opened the scroll for us. And so when he opened the scroll, everything God had planned before the foundation of the earth started coming to pass. Started coming to pass. And my faith is to discover what is written for me and to declare over my life. I am blessed in him. I am prosperous in him. I am a son of God. I belong to the roots of David. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am divinely natural. Hmm. <laughs> My root is divine. I may come and live in Nigeria, but I, I am born from Zion. Hallelujah. He that is born from above is above all. Hmm. Hello. Let me end this by showing you a prayer Jesus prayed to the Father for all of us in John 17. John 17. Are you ready for this one? John 17. Look at verse 20. Are you sure you're ready for this one? I want you to see something Jesus prayed. A very important prayer to Jesus about for Jesus. He prayed to the Father for you. John 17 from verse 20. He says, I don't pray for this alone. He was referring to his disciples. I pray, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Hello? Next verse. That they may all be what? That they may all be what? Let's use the King James now. That they may all be what? Hello? No, we are not there. 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 Ah! Hey! That may be up. They may all be what? Only one person is there. That they may all be one. That they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. No, you're not getting it. <laughs> Father, I pray to you. That this one that will believe on me, they will become as one as I am in you and you are in me. Ha! Ah. This is a desire of Jesus to the Father. And I, I will tell you something the Father always answers his prayer. His prayer is that we will be as one as they are as one. Oh, that we will become in so inseparable. 
You cannot separate the father from the son. You cannot separate you from the father. That they may be all be one. As you father are in me. And I in you. That they may be one in us. It's not just about the trinity now. It's about us being found in the trinity. It says that the world may believe that you sent me. The proof that Jesus is Lord is the fact that we are inside of him. Placed inside of him. Are you ready for the next verse? And the glory you gave to me, I have given to them. That they may be one, just as we are one. And somebody is singing, you are the Lord, that is your name. You will never share your glory with anyone. How now? How? For God's sake, what are we singing? What are we singing? What nonsense? That we may be one and experience the glory that he had with the Father. Do you now see why I said the church does not know who they are? This was a prayer by Jesus that will be as one as they as one. One in divinity, one in life, one in glory, one in honor. It has pleased the Father to share himself with you. That is his delight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at verse 23. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one that the world may know that you have sent me. You are the living proof that Jesus came. How? By the demonstration of the glory of Jesus that is now yours. Hallelujah. 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 This was the prayer he prayed before he went to the cross. And the cross made it possible and said, it is finished. It is done. Now, I in them as I am in you. We are one in of ourselves and of ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul said in Ephesians 1, he said that in the fullness of the time to come, that Christ may bring together all things in one. Hey! You are not ordinary. You are divine. You have the life of God inside of you. The life of God, the life that's above sickness, above disease, above condemnation, above everything that the enemy can shoot at you. You are now one with the Father. As He is, so are we. Because as Jesus is in the Father, you are in the Father. Same thing flows through us, flows through us. Hallelujah. Sickness is not flowing through the veins of Jesus, poverty is not flowing through the veins of Jesus. Bad luck is not flowing through the veins of Jesus. It can't flow through your own vein. Can't flow through your own vein. Guess what flows in his vein? Wisdom. Knowledge. Understanding. Power. Glory. Honor. Life. Life flows in us. The kind of life that flowed in Jesus was such that he said, I am giving my life. And I'll collect it back. Death could not hold him. Death cannot hold you. Because you are one in him. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. 
celebrate Jesus, celebrate Jesus. One in Jesus, one in the Father, one in life, one in God. That's who we are. Giving praise, giving glory, celebrate the fact that you are in a life that cannot be taunted by death. You are in a life that cannot be taunted by condemnation. You are in a life that cannot be brought down. Celebrate your life. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate. Hallelujah. Give him glory. Hallelujah. I am one in the Father. I am one in Jesus. And the glory that he had is given to me. And I live and walk by the glory of God. I live and I walk by the glory of God. That glory shows in my life. It shows in my finances. It shows in my health. It shows in...